and then um if there's anything you don't like and you want us to just like not ask or whatever we'll just cut it out yeah uh, yeah no worries yeah uh thanks for reaching out super appreciate it. uh i just want to know first off how's your shoulder doing after the houston game yeah it's 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 good it was uh it was really painful when it was out but uh the orthopedic surgeon was able to to come in and, and put it put it back in it was about like three or four minutes after after it was dislocated and then since then it's it's really just like improved day to day and now it's it's just about back to more normal I, I can't lift weights still um as much as i'd like but when it comes to being on the field I, I'm, I'm starting to get more and more comfortable with it okay that's good um so one thing that we always hear about as fans is just like how close of like a family San Jose has become, especially in these last couple of years under Almeida. And you're actually someone who played with their family member, uh, your brother Tanner. You even left high school a year early to go play with them. What brings the squad so close together compared to other ones? Yeah, uh, it's just the way Matias has implemented the the culture that that, that he's he's created, you know, I think it, he's just got a system that he does, um, you know, wherever he is. And it starts with little things like having team barbecues and inviting families and um, the, the way he tells stories and just the way he, he brings people together, regardless of the background is, is something I've never seen before. And uh, I remember it started with the, with, with his, his team barbecues back in 2019. And then, since then it's just developed to where you know guys go out of their way to see each other um even you know on their own you know like like it, even without matias or any of the coaching staff we had a team barbecue i think it was two weeks ago and it's it's rare for guys to, to choose to spend some of some of their free time with each other because obviously we see each other so much uh <laughs> just through training so it's it, it just shows guys just really have a good relationship and a good rapport and it starts with just Matias's influence mm -hmm. yeah yeah and going off of that I think we can see how close you guys are like on the field so the squad for example it seems like you guys love these comebacks in the last 15 minutes or so the last five out of ten goals you guys have scored uh, have been in the final 15 minutes of the match like what inspires that Goonies never say die style of play yeah, I think a lot of it is just the like our ability to wear teams down, and I, I think our depth contributes to it as well. Where having guys like Wando or or, or Shea uh, come off the bench is is huge for us. So the guys that that start the game, um, our, our goal is to always control the game, keep possession, and uh, create as many opportunities as we can. Uh, but sometimes it takes time to to wear teams down. And uh, so to have guys like Juan and Shea come off the bench, it's just, it's just like a, it's like a one-two punch. Whereas it's difficult for teams to stop. Yeah, those those two goals he scored in Utah were crazy in the 80, 80th minute. Over that was that was a crazy game to watch. And uh, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, it's crazy. And kind of in a in a more fun question, so. Like, for example, in the, in the NBA, every player talks about their welcome to the league moment, right? A moment where you're just growing up being the best player on the team, and then you enter the professional league, and you have this moment where you're like, oh, wow, 
this is the professional level like and you you feel like you got exposed or something but then you just keep going and getting acclimated to the professional league did you ever have a moment like that and if so can you remember it um that's a that's a good question i think i think because I, I came into the league as a, as an 18 year old um, so I was I was so young I, I was so naive and I had so much so much to learn uh, I think I was actually unaware of a lot of the the, the dynamics that, that I'm now aware of so when it comes like my rookie year I guess you could say uh, in Portland I remember I, I was starting it was maybe my like fourth or fifth start. And actually, now now that I'm thinking about it, that's a good question. I haven't heard that question actually asked, and it, it's bringing me all the way back to 2014. But uh, now, now that I think about it, it's definitely – it was two different games. With It was against Portland um, when Diego Chara was marking me. And I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it, like – because I, 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 was, I was comfortable with my feet. I was comfortable with receiving the ball with my back turn but with him it's just a different level like the intensity that that he defends you and his ability to just poke the ball away from you and to also just show up out of out of nowhere and I remember there's a couple times where I received the ball thinking that I could turn and I'll be all right and he just came in and just cracked me and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is this is a different level and, and so it was it, it was with him and that was in Portland um, you know, with and they have such a good atmosphere. So that was that was pretty eye opening. And then it was also actually against uh, against LA. Um, why am I blanking on on his his? I think it's Omar Omar Gonzalez. Uh, oh, it's a big boy. He was playing when he yeah he's at Toronto <laughs> now. But when when he's playing when he was playing at LA in in his prime. I remember I was playing as a forward and there's a couple different times where people were playing me and me, the, me, the ball. And I was trying to post up on him and his legs were the size of like my whole body. <laughs> he, was just, he was just poking him out, poking the ball away. Like every time I was like, man, okay, I got to figure something else out. Like yeah. the level of defending is just, it's just different. And it's just something you got to get adjusted to. Yeah. And so when like obviously in the moment you're kind of a little you know flustered maybe but then how do you react to that after the game like when you're watching back the game and you look at those moments like how do you respond like how do you think oh i have to make this adjustment here like what did you do personally after those moments yeah i think the most important thing is to be patient with yourself and to to not get too high or too low like back you know back my rookie year when i was when i was 18 i think i had like like nine starts or something like that played in like may, almost maybe around half the games. And so there's a lot of hype around me and people were talking about like me playing with the national team potentially and in my future in San Jose. And I, I think it's really important for, for, for young players just to stay grounded and to not let anyone else write, write your script. Cause then the next year came and I didn't play very much at all. And, uh, and and so not not being too high on yourself when things are going your way and not being too low on yourself when things aren't going your way, I think is the is one of the most important things uh, for young players, especially. And that's something I learned very early on. And thankfully, my dad played professionally. So I think he helped me. He helped me with that as well. Um, so I, I was just always patient with myself and, and, and gave myself time to grow and 
and time to figure it out. And eventually, you know, things started to click and uh, I started to learn all different types of positions. And now I think I've played around like 150 games or something for, for the quake. So it's, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a good ride so far. Is that something you've seen with Cade and you've been trying to like relay back to him? Yeah. Like, uh, but our, I think our coaching staff is a really good job managing younger players. And I, I think they, um, they do a great job of just treating him the exact same. Like before he even played for us, they treat him with respect and, uh, and they, they just like communicated him in a way that like, just give yourself time, give yourself time. And, and, and sure enough, now he, you know, he was MLS player of the week, just doing really big things um, for, for us. And just, it still feels in the locker room like that. He's the, he's the same kid um, that he was back when he signed uh, two years ago when he was 15. And I think our coach just creates a really healthy environment to where he doesn't feel like he needs to meet any of these expectations that, that people are putting on him, you know, online. It's just like when he comes into the locker room, he's just in a safe place. And um, I think it's really healthy. I think it's really mm -hmm. healthy. And, I, and I'm really happy for him. But he's got he's got some gifts that I never had. That's, yeah. that's for sure. I mean, his his speed, his strength, it's. It's incredible. He's a uh, he's a special talent, and uh, I'm I'm excited for him. Um, one aspect of the game that's not really like highlighted because it's not the most fun is just how terrible the away games can be, and just how boring it is sitting in the hotel room for you guys with the new COVID nineteen restrictions. I assume you probably don't get to walk around the city as much. How is how has that really affected that? Yeah, it's been really tough, and. Uh... Yeah, I think it hasn't been highlighted at all because I mean, at the end of the day, I, I I like to remind myself that you know everyone has had their their own struggles, so I don't like to 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 throw myself too much of a pity party. But it it definitely is really difficult because it's not just the the combination of the the time spent in hotel rooms. It's just also when we were going out to stadiums and and they were just empty. You know, our friends in different cities were never able to come. Our family wasn't able to come to San Jose and just, we had no type of human interaction because we were all so concerned about bringing the virus to the team. I mean, it was brutal. It's just, it just a lot of paranoia, but, um, you know, it was just good to be at the same time. It was great to be back up to the, to the field. And that was something we, we kept telling ourselves. So it, it was tough, but now I think we've really turned the corner. A lot of the guys are, are almost fully vaccinated. So I think the worst has passed, but yeah, there's no doubt that, that was that was a really lonely period for a lot of you know everyone, but I think pro pro players especially. Mm -hmm. um, back to the earlier point you're making about Cade just being like a special talent. Uh, you're someone who's really got to see U.S. soccer as a whole really go through two different transitional periods because it used to be the we want the big and the fast guys, and then like Shea Salinas, and then you started to come around someone who's not maybe as tall but very crafty on the ball, creative, and now we're starting to see a new generation of player who is both like Cade, who's built like a Greek god, but yet has all these technical abilities and all the speed. So what's that been like? How's that been received by players in the league? Yeah, it's been interesting because um, I think it's not just U.S. soccer. It's, it's, it's Major League Soccer as well. I think Major League Soccer has really gone through a healthy transition to where it's, it's just continuing to, to develop. It's continuing to bring in 
players in their prime or younger players about to hit their prime, whether it's from Central America or South America or from Europe. And I think just the level just continues to improve on the player side as well as the coaching side. You know, yeah. bringing in coaches like Matias Almeida or Tata Martino, I think it just it just creates these these teams that are fun to watch. And I've really enjoyed being a part of it because I think earlier on in my career is a different, it was a different, uh, MLS had a different look, you know, it was very, very traditional. There's a lot of long ball and uh, it, it was sometimes it felt like coaches were just playing to, to not lose, you know, but I think, I think bringing in some of the, the the latin flair has, has really just made the league more and more entertaining and uh it goes it's the same that goes for some of the european coaches that have had a lot of success as well and then it's also good to see the american coaches like schmetzer um mm-hmm. and peter vermees continue to do what what they have done they've, they've been able to adapt um through each phase which has been which has been fun to watch as well but I, I'm happy about it. I'm really happy with the growth of the league and soccer in this in this uh, in this country. And I, I think we're headed to headed to some special places for sure. And I think that'll that'll culminate in the in the coming World Cups. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm just like super curious about is I noticed after the games that players that didn't play or players that kind of just got subbed on are like uh, subjugated to like a fitness test. I was just wondering uh, what Guido's got you guys doing. Yeah. He. Uh, He's he's a, he's tough. He's tough on us. Um, but we usually just run. We run sprints, and it's not nearly as hard as what what he'd have us do in preseason. But yeah. we do like a sprint workout um, after the games to make sure we're staying in good shape, even if we don't play. And then we also go in into the gym afterward and do a a nice workout. You know, it's good. It's a good little workout. Nine thirty to like ten p.m. and then and then you go home and. And then oh, you man. can rest. So, yeah. so it's good, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what you sign up for. Mm-hmm. in uh, in this industry. Now that's like the second thing you kind of mentioned that a lot of people don't get to see, uh, cause everyone sees the fame and the glory of being a professional athlete, but they don't see those late night workouts or the lonely nights in the hotel. Is there something else you've kind of seen or now that's like your eighth year, you've really been adept to, man, I didn't think about this before signing. Yeah, I mean, like challenges that the athletes face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the big one is obviously us not getting weekends at all, you know, throughout the entire season, basically, which will run from January to to November or even even December sometimes. And I think I think people don't really realize like how impactful that can be. And I'm not complaining. Like I'm. I'm, I've, I've consciously made the decision because I love soccer. I love mm-hmm. being a pro soccer player and I'll make all the sacrifices I need to. Um, but the reality is we got a game, you know, just about every week, sometimes two times a week. So our Friday nights and our Saturday nights are very soccer oriented. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's difficult is, you know, sometimes there's weddings that you want to go to or, um, you know, just like basic uh, vacations that, you know, people – spend there like that makes people's years in 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 the regular workforce sometimes and that's something that we never get um but fortunately for us we get to do what we love monday through friday monday through saturday yeah and uh, eventually we do get some time off on sundays which is which is nice mm-hmm. uh, but i think that is a big challenge like even just last weekend you know my family was at my cousin's wedding and it wasn't even a thought for me to be able to go 
Like, it, it, like they always knew like I was going to have a game that Saturday night. And it's just like my whole family's there, but everyone just knows like, oh, Tommy's not gonna be able to make it. And uh, I'm used to it. And it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm totally willing to, to make the sacrifice for. But I think that is another thing that people don't realize about pro athletes is, you know, there, there is a lot of sacrifices and that. And that I think mostly comes with like those, you know, those family vacations or there's those those vacations with friends or those weddings or the birthdays. You know, that's something that that soccer takes priority. And like I said, I, I made that choice and, and I'm and I'm happy about it. But it, it is challenging sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, we don't want to take too much of your time. So we have a couple quick fire questions we wanted to just run by you. Uh, just speed round. So yeah, yeah, no worries. Let's just say the MLS were to change the first tiebreaker to a four by one hundred meter race. Who's the first guy in the squad you're choosing that you want to be in that race, and who is the absolute last guy you want racing? Cade for sure is the first one, and the last one. Oh, that's a tough one. The last one. Uh, maybe maybe Guido. <laughs> okay that's funny all right so then on a game day who are you looking at for the best drip and who are you looking at for a lap because they think they've got style right like who's who's best and the worst yeah jack is coming in with some drip for sure jackson's got got some good style i like andy rios's style uh i like christian's style <laughs> jacob is someone that, that that's gonna be coming in Sometimes it's some some like sweat shorts or something. <laughs> so Jacob, Jacob, Jacob Ackenridge is a is a question mark sometimes. But when he wants to dress well, he can dress well. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, we've heard how when goals are scored, you are in the danger zone if you're near Wondolowski. Do you have any encounters or stories of that? Yeah, absolutely. It's most dangerous when you give him an assist, and I've given him a number of assists. So. As soon as I, I cross that ball and I see he gets on the end of it, I got my guard up ready to ready to take the take the hit. There's one time that he hit me so hard he just tackled me straight to the ground. <laughs> it was, uh, it's good though. It's just his passion. You know, he's just got incredible passion for the game. Yeah. So another question. The Quakes are known for handing it over to their fans to make noise, whether it be like chants or giant drums around the stadium, right? Who are the but on an alternative note? Who are the first and last people in the locker room you want to play music before the game? Who's getting the ox and who's definitely not playing music? Who's not allowed to? I'm the I'm the DJ, so okay. I, I'm the I'm the one that that's usually on the on the music because I got the mix between the the reggaeton and the and the current pop and hip hop, so I'm usually on it. But I usually get concerned maybe if like Florian Youngworth gets on it. <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, Daniel Vega puts puts on some good stuff, but he 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 could be a question mark as well. Okay. Um, and then I actually have a photo here for you. I'll pull it up on the the Zoom for us. All right, there you go. It should work. Uh, do you see these three photos right here? Yeah. So one thing that's really uh, oh sorry. Um, Kevin De Bruyne and Zinchenko have been created a meme for being called identical brothers. However, I kind of noticed something about a season or two ago that I don't know why the MLS hasn't really gone on. There's another lethal midfield and fullback combo that's not appreciated. Uh, has this ever been brought up in the locker room that you and you will look pretty similar? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My parents always tell me that. But now now the main focus, since I got some longer hair, the main focus has been on flow. Yeah. Um, but uh but yeah, I definitely have gotten the the Yule confusion on the field where they people can't quite figure out who's who. Yeah. And then we have one last final question for you. Uh, it's a little bit of a statement too. Uh, first off, thank you for all your time. Super appreciate it. Um, one thing that really goes underappreciated is your work uh, helping in the local communities, whether it's going to schools or local clubs like Ballistic United with skill challenges or even helping two kids that are in college with their podcast. So uh, we would like to know if there is a skill challenge that you could challenge for us or something that you would want us to do to help in our local community beyond the CDC COVID uh, protocols just to help pay for the good deed. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. Uh, I did a lot of the, the, the COVID skills challenges back uh, when COVID first hit from like March to, you know, really to, to August. I, I was running a lot of zoom sessions and just trying to keep kids moving. Cause I think everyone was kind of at a standstill for at least a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and so I did, I did a lot of it. There's some cool videos of, of me sending out, um, some challenges and just like, it was just hundreds of kids replicating the exercises. And so they'd work on their, their ball skills, submit the video. And then I was able to put, um, together like hundreds of different clips of, of guys doing the same, same tricks across the country so i would say to do that but that time has passed it's good to see that a lot of kids are getting back to their teams yeah um so yeah i think just i mean i think doing what you guys are doing it was cool to see like right when i logged in that you guys had the the professional earthquake set up with the jersey (laughs) scarves i think i think and that's why i take the time you know whether it's like a random dm or or uh you know like the video you posted of of you waiting for me to reply like that it's funny and it just shows that that people care and i think that's something that like i want people to be entertained by by what players are doing in the mls and mm-hmm. and for guys like you to, to to get behind the players and really be interested and, and want to hear from us i think that's important so i would just my my way to pay pay it forward for you guys is just to be to keep doing what you're doing spread the love for the game keep talking about the quakes, whether it's good or bad, you know, obviously, obviously if it's bad, I'll probably stop listening, but, um, but you know, I think it's good. And that's what people don't understand is like, I would much rather have people care enough to talk badly than the people that just like, don't even pay attention. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we appreciate you guys, especially the guys that, that talk, that, that support us really through the good and the bad. Um, so yeah, if you guys just keep doing that, um and uh just try to bring in more and more fans to the stadium when people are loud and and just make it loud for us because i think it, it really makes a difference yeah that's awesome yeah maybe we'll get a thompson jersey up here soon yeah yeah there you go all right thank you so much for your time man it really means the world to us uh is there anything else you want to say or yeah no no problem thanks for having me on happy to see you guys are are, are uh taking this podcast seriously with the quakes love love people that that, that are spreading the love for the game. That's the number one thing. Yeah, and thank you so much for just being so involved with the community yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate that, guys. All right, catch you later, Tommy. Thank you so much. All right, see you later.